Gale's open, they're away in the Golden Slipper, there's a great start, and Mick Mitt Basque on the extreme outside is about the first out, Jack Boyle. Jackler on the outside, lunging, but Catlin opening just in front, Jackler trying desperately, can't reach him. Catlin opening has lasted to win the Doncaster by a hit, the Jackler. This Iron podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. The $1.3 million Kosciuszko is the world's richest race for country-trained horses and the field is determined by those who draw winning tickets in the Kosciuszko sweepstakes. $5 tickets are now available through the Tab app or your local TAB outlet. 14 winning ticket holders will be drawn on September the 9th. Holders of those winning tickets will have the opportunity to select the horse they'd like to run in their entry and if successful will then negotiate the terms of a prize money split with the owners of that horse. A $5 ticket could make it possible for you or your syndicate of friends to share in the ownership of a runner in a race which in just three runnings has achieved a high profile. Grafton trained Bell Flyer gave his slot holders a big thrill when he won the first Kosciuszko in 2018. In 2019 it was Handle the Truth and last year It's Me from Scone. It's an exciting opportunity for bush horses to take centre stage on one of the biggest race days in the world. It gives punters and racing fans the opportunity to share in the ownership of a horse running in a $1.3 million race. Remember, the 14 winning slot holders will be drawn on September the 9th. 14 race meetings were conducted around New South Wales on Melbourne Cup Day 2017, the day rekindling won the Cup. One of them was a five-race program at Dubbo, which attracted little attention from punters, but for one talented bush jockey, it marked the end of a short but very fruitful career. An interminable battle with weight had finally caught up with Cody Nestor, who realised his health would be at stake should he prolong his riding career. It was trainer Gaynor Williams who put him on a gelding called Null's Gift in a Class 2, one of three rides on his final day. Encouraged by a large family cheer squad, he scored an easy win on the $1.60 favourite, bringing down the curtain on a career which had produced close to 600 winners. More than 20 of those wins were for high-profile Sydney trainers who brought him to town when the services of a talented claiming apprentice were required. The third-generation jockey missed race riding desperately but focused on gaining a livelihood as a work rider in the Western Districts. It wasn't long before the genetic forces kicked in and a training career beckoned. He quickly obtained his licence, but didn't have a single horse to train. I'll let Cody Nestor tell you how he found that first horse and talk about the new career that was about to unfold. Cody, great to catch up on a Sunday morning. Yeah, my pleasure, John. Really happy to be on the show. Well, you're on a roll, mate, a treble at Dubbo on Friday, July 16, and I think uh, your fourth runner loomed up at the 200 metres mark and looked like being in the finish. Yeah, that's right. It was a good day for the stable. Um, sort of we're having one of those winters where it's um, it's, a ver- it's very wet and conditions mm. are sort of suiting heavy, heavy track horses at the moment, but we were lucky enough to have a few there that got through going on Friday and... Yeah, it was good to get a couple of winners um, with Choco on board and then um, a young apprentice, Liam Blanch, rode the other winner. So it was a good day, John. 
Let's talk about that first horse you trained. You'd heard a gelding by the name of Kenny Succeed was for sale. Now, he'd already won two races from about 16 starts uh, in the northwest of the state when he was trained by Zach Hatch. Now, you'd actually ridden him two or three times, Cody, so you knew he had a bit of ability. Yeah, John, I remember Greg Ryan won a maiden on him, his first start, I'm pretty sure it was at Gunnedah and or Tamworth, it was, a, it was a really good win. Um, and I, was, I jumped on him a couple of times when Zach had him, and he was a bloody big bully-headed bugger he was. And um, mm. But, yeah, look, he had plenty of toe, and um, he'd always shown enough ability. And lucky enough, we seen him on the internet there and bought him bought him for about five and a half grand. And good heavens. At, at the time, I was riding a bit of track work to sort of make a bob or two, and mm. um, I jumped in the car uh, one afternoon after track work, and, one day after track work and drove all the way up in the middle of bloody Queensland to pick this yeah. old horse up. Yeah. <laughs> what did you and, take, a two-horse float, three-horse angle loader? Oh, we just took a two-horse float up and um, on the way oh. up, I think I stayed on the border at Gwinda Windy and uh, the next morning got up there re- relatively early. and mm. I, I was coming on the way home and I, I didn't know whether I'd done the right thing or not, but anyway, we got him back and um, – mm. Like I said, he was a quirky old horse, but we, we sort of ironed him out a little bit, and he's one of them fellas that just liked a bit of room, so we left him in the paddock most of the time and um, kept him happy and got him fit, and, yeah, rolled on from then, John. Are you at liberty to tell me what you paid for him? Yeah, yeah, we, we got him for five and a half grand. Like, looking back now, he's, I oh. thought it was I thought it was a fortune. I didn't really have the have the money, so we, we syndicated him out with a few mates in town mm. here and um, – a great bunch of blokes. It's still in horses with me today. Mm. But, yeah, look, looking back now, he was a bloody cheap horse. Mm. Well, you won third up with him, and then he went on to win six races in all, including the Cannonball at Canamble. I think it was worth about 35000 so he turned out to be a real bargain. Yeah, look, and we had a lot of fun with him too, John. Like I said, a few mates jumped in on him uh, in the syndicate, and, you know, like every time we started him, he was competitive and, he went for his grades really well. You know, we'd always end up back at the pub after it, and, uh, <laughs> watching the replay and what have you. And let me tell you, the, the next morning I woke up fairly rough most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I had a look at his pedigree out of interest, uh, Cody. He's by a horse called Bell Danoro, who was a Danehill horse, who'd actually won a Group 3 at Flemington. And your bloke was out of a Success Express mare called Delightful Success, who'd won three provincial races and was ridden in one of them by Sky Channel's Bernadette Cooper, by coincidence. Yeah, fair dinkum. I didn't know that, John. Didn't know that at all. Well, in just three years, you've catapulted from one horse to somewhere between 35 and 40. You tell me you've had tremendous support from a network of friends in the Western Districts who love taking a share or two in a horse or two, and Group 1 Thoroughbreds have been very supportive. You're training for some big syndicates. Yeah, John, look, we're, we're, pretty, we're, we're in a pretty good position at the moment. Um, we've got a syndicate on board with Group 1 Thoroughbreds um, who sort of support us and send us a few horses. And a lot of the time we, we sort of buy horses ourselves and um, syndicate them out ourselves, more or less, between mates and whoever else wants to jump in. And we've, we've had a lot of luck doing it. Um, we sort of aim at the horses from the city area that have got a bit of breeding on their side and haven't had too many starts or convictions and, uh, you know, the rating, their benchmark hasn't got to them yet. And mm. we bring them out here and they seem to, 
a lot of them seem to really enjoy just the laid-back atmosphere. Um, we try to keep it, keep it as natural as possible for them and um, just with a little bit of time too on their side and let them mature up a little bit. We've, we've had a lot of luck doing it, John. Well, to say you've taken to training like a duck to water is no exaggeration. And one of your regular jockeys, Anthony Cavallo, tells me that you were a very good rider but an even better trainer. Uh, yeah, well... Uh, I'd say Choc, uh, John Choco's saying that because he wants to keep getting good rides. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he's, no, do, he's, he's doing a bit of networking. <laughs> yeah, no, he's a terrific fellow, Choc. I rode with him for years and um, always got along really well. I had great respect for the way he rode. Um, you know, he's a very smart rider. Um, and we, we really combine well. He comes over and rides a few gallops um, on a mm. Tuesday morning and um, we bounce ideas off each other, and he, he's a terrific judge. Um, and he's, he's good for my apprentices too. He gets here and rides work with them, and, mm. um, you know, he pulls them into gear when they need to be. So, look, we've had a lot of luck. Um, I don't even mind, I don't mind taking him to Sydney if I've got to. Um, you mm. know, he, he, he regularly comes down and rides rides an old horse called Jailbreak. If he goes down, he really suits him. So, mm. look, i got no problems in using Choco at all. I think he, he does a great mm. job, and um, he's, got, he's got a lot of experience on his side. Mm. Choco was apprenticed originally at Rose Hill to the late Ray Guy. I remember him so well. He wrote a lot of winners too as a kid and he he's just goes on and on. He's evergreen. Yeah, he's lucky. Look, Choco, he's, a, he's a, not an overly big fella and he, he keeps himself fairly fit too, um, mm. which is a big thing, you know, and he doesn't have to struggle with his weight, which makes all the difference. Um, and like I said, I, I enjoy using him because he's got that little bit of an experience there and um, we can sit down and discuss things without – sort of getting each other, in each other's roads. So, yeah, of course. Yeah, like I said, we get along pretty well, John. Mm. Well, Choco tells me you're still riding a fair amount of track work yourself. Now, is this because you're missing it or is it the best way you can judge how a horse is going? Oh, I suppose it's a bit of both, John. Um, mm. You know, it's very hard to sort of give, give something away that you've done your whole life. I've ridden track work since age of about 13, 14, so... Um, I still enjoy getting on them, not so much in, in the wintertime, but no. um, def- definitely, you know, it gives you a good guide too. It keeps my eye in. Um, no. If I've got something that's racing or coming up, I like to give them the, the final gallop and get a good feel and, of how they're going. But, um, look, I, I'm lucky enough too, John, at the same time. I've got, I got really good kids that ride and work for me at the moment. Um, so, yeah, look, we're, we're in a pretty good spot. Mm. Choco tells me you're a thinking trainer. Now, sometimes you'll schedule a horse to work a certain distance in a certain time, but at the last minute, you'll change your mind. You know, you'll have a look at the horse that Choco's riding alongside of you, and if you think that horse looks a little bit light, you'll back off him a touch. Yeah, look, John, it's – yeah, I suppose I probably get that a little bit off Guy Walter. Um, I spent a bit of time with Guy and Mm. Uh, just he was a great man for just standing there and watching his horses walk around before they worked and um and then he'd make his work up as he go mm. and you know i think i think your eyes your best your best tool if you can use it um in my opinion anyway i don't don't like to sort of have set work regimes um i'm not i wouldn't say i'm a big system trainer as far as that goes i like to train a horse individually, mm. um, so that that probably yeah, like I said, probably throws back to Guy Wilder and my uncle Peter. He was he was a bit the same, you know. He he mm. really used his eye a lot, and um, it seems to be working for us. Mm. Cody, there's a very old adage that was once applied to the late Bart Cummings. 
which said the eye of the master can do more work than both of his hands. Yeah, well, I, I, I tend to agree with that, um, John. Mm. Uh, I've sort of, I've learned to learned to use it more as I got older and sort of a bit more experience. When I started, everything was just hands on, and um, now I take the time to sort of step back and really try and take notice of the animal and the horse. And look, it seems to be paying um, paying dividends at the moment. Mm. Let's look at a few of the horses who've helped to kickstart your training career. Toulon Brook has been a beauty for the stable. He's won five all up, including a tab highway. Choco rode him in four of those wins, and he seems to get on well with him. Yeah, look, he was uh, he he was probably the real first chance we had of winning a race in Sydney in a highway. And um, look, it was a great thrill. He, he's been a good little horse to us. Um, you know, we're lucky enough to sneak him through his grades early enough, and um, then he went to town. And yeah, it's probably well. I was that bloody nervous. I I was um, shaking and shivering on TV and whatever, but it, it was you know like for, I've been in the game my whole life, John, and you know rode winners, a fair few winners and whatever. But that day especially, it uh, it really meant something, you know, for me and in the stable. Um, it was it was a great day. Eva's deal has been a good mare, Cody. She's won four races, including a Tab Highway at Rose Hill, with another great rider in the saddle, Matthew Carl. Yeah, she's been a handy little mare, John. I still think um, the best is yet to come with her. She didn't have the greatest of prep last last preparation, but we'll sort of give her a good spell and we'll bring her back. But I, I, I truly believe she's, a, she's a, um, got got a good ability there to be a, a nice middle-distance horse um, around the country cups later on. But she won a highway. She done a great job for us. When I first got her, you bloody – you wouldn't have put a saddle on her, John. Um, she's a little weedy thing she was and mm. had no manners and um, – I galloped her one more and I dead set thought I could kick my hat quicker than her. And <laughs> really? So I, I took her to a Dubbo non, a non-tab meet. There's about five in the race or six in the race. And she came out and won and hung off the track. And I thought, oh, what have we got here? And mm. gave her a spell and she just came back and improved. And, you know, she's a nice little mare. By done deal? Yeah, and that helps. Yeah, she got a bit of breeding on her side, which, which um, really helps. Fast talking's been a bit of fun. He was a maiden after 11 runs when you got him. He's now won five, including a lovely little $125,000 race called the Country Classic at Rose Hill with one of Australia's best on board, Nash Rewilla. Yeah, John, he's been, he's been a terrific horse. Um, uh, Mitch Lloyd, uh, one of my good friends, and he rang me one day and said he, he had the opportunity of buying this horse for 8000 And I sort of thought, oh, geez, 8000 doesn't get you much, you know. Oh. And... Uh, Anyway, we're lucky enough to take him on and uh, syndicate him out with a few mates. And, uh, he's been a terrific horse for us. Really, really, uh, you know, he's a stalwart of the stable. Um, mm. Really good um, cups horse and that. He's, he ran around in country championships. He, he just got beaten the final there one year, over 1,400, and then he comes out and wins a 2,000-metre race at mm. Rose Hill. So, yeah, no, he's, a, he's been really good for the stable. Mm. See, Cody, these are the stories that give people a ray of hope. An $8,000 tried horse who won a $125,000 race at Rose Hill. That's only one of his wins. Yeah, that's right, John. And that's what, we, you know, it's, it's, it, is, it is hard to do to buy him at that price, don't get me wrong. But, mm. you know, even if you, you've got to pay a little bit more to buy a nice horse and there's no better feeling than um, getting a few few of the local blokes or anyone really, you know, who's got a small percentage, gets down to Sydney and wins a highway and they... Uh, they really celebrate it. They they enjoy it, and that's what we're all about. Mm. 
Sneak Preview is a nice horse. You've won five with him, including a tab highway at Kembla on Gong Day, so it was virtually a metropolitan race. Tim Clark was the rider. Where is he, Sneak Preview? Yeah, look, Johnny, um, he's in the paddock at the moment. Uh, he sort of come back and had two or three really good runs and then he went off the boil a bit. Um, mm. So we put him in the paddock, start fresh with him. But uh, he was another another tried horse, good mate of mine. Uh, Hamo, he, uh, he spotted him there after he won a maiden at Narromine and um, we've had a bit of luck with him. You know, he come out and won a heat of the country championships and the highway. And so he's been a really good horse. Like he's, he's picked up over $200,000 in prize money for $20,000 $20, investment, so mm-hmm. we've had a lot of luck with him. There's another one, another cheapie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got a pretty talented horse there at the moment called Cardiff, named after the Welsh capital. Now, Gerald Ryan won a couple of races with him early on. Uh, he's won two from four for you, a three-year-old at Canterbury, and in April you slipped him to Doombin for a benchmark 90 you took Matthew Carl with you, and he got the job done. Yeah, Johnny's um, Cardiff was probably my first real big investment as far as country training goes. We paid, I think, ninety thousand for him at the time. Um, always knew he had ability. Um, he well bred. He, he's just a he's a quirky little horse. He really wants to run. And um, look, we he had a couple of little joint um, chips. We got them operated on straight away. Turfed him out. Mm. Bought him back and. Um, Look, he, he's he's a quick horse. He's um he's been really really good for the stable. Like we live in Dubbo, and he's been all around Australia in four starts. He's he's been Sydney twice and Albury, then back up to Brisbane, um, and been competitive at everywhere we've taken him. So he's done a really good job for us. Um, I really hope he's a, he can sort of come back this time in, and I can stretch him to twelve hundred. I, I think he's a genuine Kosciuszko chance. Mm, good good boy. We'll be watching with interest. How far will he go, Cody? Can you see him getting to open company later? Yeah, look, I think he'll go through his grades all right, John, if I can keep him sound. Um, at the moment, he's in good order. Uh, he's, like I said, he, he's got a little bit of a breeding on his side, which will take him a long way. And um, I, I genuinely think I can get him out to 1,200. If, if, he, if he can stretch out that far, we'll have a lot of fun with him. Mm. Jailbreak deserves a mention. He won a maiden for Brad Widdup before landing in your camp. You've won four with him including one at Canterbury. Choco rode him in three of those wins and Kay Cowan in the other. Now, Code, is that the New Zealand girl, Kate Cowan? Yeah, that's Katie. Yeah, she um, she rode him at Narromine one day. We needed a claim and, look, she's up in Brisbane at the moment doing a great job. Um, but, yeah, she spent a bit of time with us down here and she's a really good girl. She's come a long way. The racing genes in your background are very dominant. Your grandfather, John had considerable success as a jockey in Queensland and New South Wales. You lost him only a couple of years ago. Yeah, oh, Pop, yeah, he um, quite often, I used to live down the bottom of the hill here at Dubbo and he's only about 100 metres up the road. I used to venture up here and sit down and listen to all his old stories and, um, (laughs) yeah, look, he was a real character. Um, He come from nothing and built, he was a self-made man, built up a great business, but uh, he had a lot of luck in the racing game, him and Judy. Mm. Um, Jude, Jude trained and Johnny rode and uh, looked up as a starting starting point for, I suppose, the, the rest of the nesters to get into the game. Mm. Well, Judy, of course, is your grandmother. Uh, she trained successfully for a long time there. She trained them and Grandpop rode them. Yeah, that's right. They had um, they had stables there at the back of their house at Galaganbone. And, um, 
they never had a great big team, but they always had their 12 to 18 in work and they were very successful, won a lot of country cups and pop won a lot of premierships. So, yeah, like I said, John, that's where it probably all kicked off for the Nesters. Mm. Your dad, Michael, rode his share of winners, but like you, he battled ongoing weight problems. Yeah, yeah, by all reports, I don't remember a whole lot of dad riding, but by all reports, he was, um, he was a fair jock, um, always struggled with his weight, but um, they tell me he was a very good judge. I remember as a kid, um, pretty young, he used to go to the sauna and then he'd pick us up from school and, or preschool or wherever and go straight to Wendy's ice creamery, so I don't know how, how dedicated <laughs> he was, but uh, like I said, by all reports, he had, he had plenty of talent there and he um, he sold it on and he still, <clears throat> still this day, he gets down the stables and he, he's in a few shares of horses with me, so Good he stuff. keeps he keeps an active interest in the game. Does he still like ice cream? Uh, yeah, I don't think as much now that he can eat everything else. <laughs> and now to Uncle Peter, a very highly regarded trainer in the West and in the metropolitan area too at one stage. Some nice horses went through Peter's hands. Yeah, look, he was um, – I, I sort of started with Uncle Peter, oh, geez, when I was a kid doing water buckets and what have you and um, sort of build up from there. And then one day I said I wanted to be a jock and um, he took me on and – we had a great run. I really enjoyed working for him. He could be cranky at times, but um, <laughs> he was pretty old school. But, geez, I learned a lot from him, John. You know, I wouldn't be where I am today without him. Yeah. Um, he's a great horseman. You know, he never had a real big string of horses, but um, he was a real attention to detail trainer. Um, he didn't miss a thing. Mm. And, yeah, look, we had some nice horses go through the stables. In the time that I was there, horses like Shiraz and – is a babe, and uh, mm. yeah, look, he had some nice horses there, and he always done a top job with them. Mm. Another notable rider to come through the Peter Nestor Academy was Cathy O'Hara, who's been a tremendous uh, ambassadress uh, for the lady jockeys movement in Australia. She's still going strong. Rode a winner at Randwick on Saturday. Yeah, that's right. I remember Cathy. Um, she was there, sort of just as I was starting, and. She was always going to make it, John. She was a tremendous horsewoman, um, had a lot of talent there, and she's tough. Uh, she had all the attributes to make it, um, so it's good to see her kick on. She's going really well. and She's um, forged a long career now in the game, and um, probably, you know, she's probably been one of the head head women riders in, the, in mm. Australia for the last 10 to 15 years. She has, and a real inspiration to the younger girls. Yeah, that's right, John, no doubt. Now, does this date ring a bell? 11th of June, 2006. The track was Gulgong. The horse was called De Cream and the trainer was Cindy Monaghan. Your first ride in a race and by your own admission, it was a slaughter job. <laughs> yeah. yeah, John, I remember it quite well. Um, it was a bloody freezing cold day and I, I think the horse, I had to ride it about 50 kilos and... <laughs> Uh, back then, I, I, I think the lighter saddle I had was about a pound saddle, so I, I got mm. the race about 48 and a half kilos. And, you know, I, I remember sitting there in this dark, dingy, bloody jockey's room thinking, how good is this? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I come out and I, I, I thought I rode like Darren Beam. I thought I was fourth defence, and after watching the replay, I think I was running a nice 15th in the run. And, <laughs> uh, but, but anyway, we got we got around and, um, yeah, it was a, those little tracks, they sort of they got their spot. You know, that's where kids sort of need to go to learn mm. early days and um, I, I sort of cut my teeth on a lot of those little tracks and it was a good experience. Your first winner was supplied by the late Tom Mulholland 
a highly respected man, an outstanding trainer and a wonderful tutor of young jockeys. You won on Watch the Tycoon for Tom at Dubbo on the 9th of April 2007. Yeah, look, I, I won on him before that, John, in 2006 um, at mm. Orange in the first winner. Oh, uh, was it? Yep, yep. Yeah, for Tommy. Um, great man. He was a great man, Tom Mulholland. Um, always supported the kids coming through. He had apprentices like Bobby Ulyssa and Mel Fitzgerald and those sort of blokes. Um, mm. But, yeah, look, he, he was a great man. And I oh, watched the tycoon. I was a big field at Orange in the middle of winter, freezing bloody cold. And um, mm. I sort of settled back in the field and just looped him, and he was too good for him. But it was a great thrill. I'd, my grandparents there and my mother and father there. So, uh, mm. yeah, it was, uh, I was only about 15 years old. Uh, it was a good way to start. Right, and you won on the horse again at Dubbo a little later. Yeah, I won on the horse again. That's right, John. Well, you got going very quickly. You rode winner after winner and your country claim dried up in no time. But you had come under the notice of Sydney Stables and before long you were travelling to town frequently to ride for some very high-profile trainers. Yeah, I did, John. I was lucky enough to um, – look, I was always a bit of a bush boy. I didn't really have any great ambition to move to Sydney at the time. But um, I was getting heavier and heavier, and uh, I, I sort of outrode my claim in the bush, and I was getting a few opportunities in town. I was lucky enough to ride oh, winners for um, Chris Waller and Pete Snowden had just taken over uh, from Darley and – uh, yeah, I got a, I got a few good opportunities. Rode winners for Gay and what the like. So, um, yeah, I was pretty lu- lucky in that aspect, John. Well, with the country claim gone, it made good sense for Peter Nestor to transfer you to a city trainer, and you really landed on your feet when the great Guy Walter agreed to find you a spot. And Guy was kind enough to let you ride work at other tracks. Look, Guy Waller was a great man. Everyone knows him as a, a sort of a gentle gentleman in the game. And, um, you know, looking back now, I think how lucky I was to have spent a bit of time with him. Um, there's so many things now I, I sort of implify in my training that I learned from him just by watching just by watching the way he went around, uh, got around horses and the way he sort of run run the way he, he trained his, um, his fillies and mares, especially his great fillies and mares trainer. But, uh, look, he was great to me, him and Wendy. They let me go ride track work at Ramwick and Rose Hill during the week and um, sort of gave me outside opportunities along the way. Just looking at a handful of the really nice horses you rode during that time in Sydney, you had one ride for one win on a very classy mare called Beaded for Peter Snowden in the Darley Colours at Rose Hill. That was in 2009. She finished up winning a lot of money. I think she won a Doombin 10,000 later. Yeah, she was a lovely little filly um, at the time, and uh, it was a big thrill to sort of get a leg up on um, one of Darley's horses. Pete Snowden had just sort of taken taken over the reins then, and uh, yeah, she she went on to a lot higher or well, a lot greater things than what I I sort of won a benchmark race on her there at Rosehill. But yeah, look, it was a great thrill, and um, it was good to see her go on and win a nice race. Atomic Force had several different trainers during his career. I think Kevin Moses uh, had him at the time you won on him at Rose Hill in 2009. He finished up with Darren Smith eventually at Newcastle and he won two Group 1s, a a Galaxy at Randwick, and he took him to New Zealand on one occasion to win the Railway Stakes in Auckland. Yeah, that's right, John. Um, I'd done a bit of riding for Kev. He was a a, um, 
terrific fella, very good to me, Kevin Jenny. Um, and uh, yeah, look, he was a he was a very quick horse, very fast horse. Um, I think it, actually on that day he might have broken the class record. So it was yeah, like mm. he was another one that was good to get, have an association with, and it was good to watch him go on and win bigger and better races. I love this city. Was a very good horse trained by Graham Beck. He only raced 17 times. He won four of them, and uh, a Randwick Guineas was on his winning list, a Group 1. Now, you were the jockey to introduce him to the winner's circle, winning a three-year-old maiden on the Kensington track. Do you remember the day? Yeah, I do remember. Um, horse had been racing quite well, and just, you know, going back through his form, it looked like he, the penny hadn't quite dropped with him, um, and then I got on him and, he uh, he won quite well, and then he obviously gained gained a fair bit of confidence. And I think the start after he went to the Golden Rose, John, at a massive price, and um, you could have made a case he was unlucky not to win it. And then, mm-hmm. of course, he, he went on from there to win the Guineas. He's at stud now, and the winners are popping up here and there by I Love This City. Yeah, I see a few about, John. Yeah, they're doing quite well. So it's, it's really good to see, really good. And he was another one, Graham Begg, uh, it sort of he was good to ride for. I used to go in and ride a couple for him of a morning, and mm. um, they're a great family, the big family. My word, they are legends in the sport. Now, Code, sit back and relax, mate. We'll just clear a commitment on the podcast. Back with you after this. It came as no surprise when English managing director Mark Webster announced that South Australian GTRA would fill the company's slot in the Everest at Randwick on October the 16th. GTRA ran in the English slot last year, coming from well back to finish a strong third to classic legend. The horse stayed in Sydney and two weeks later won the $1 million Yes, Yes, Yes stakes at Rosehill Gardens. Not long after, he presented with a knee problem which required surgery for the removal of a bone chip and then a long spell. On resuming, GTRA ran third in the Group 1 Goodwood Handicap and was then taken to Brisbane where he was unplaced in the Kingsford Smith Cup only 2.8 lengths from the winner after a wide run and a pretty hefty check in the straight. Fittingly, he was purchased by trainer Gordon Richards at the 2017 England Premier sale for just $41,000. He's taken his large ownership syndicate on a fantastic journey with 10 wins and 12 placings for more than $3.2 million. Inglis and GTRA get together for the second time in the world's richest race on turf, the fifth running of the Tab Everest at Royal Randwick on October the 16th. Well, the next chapter in the Cody Nestor story was a very happy stint with Cav, Brett Kavanagh, when he was training out of Albury. He had a wonderful run in those years and you were along for the ride. Yeah, that's right, John. Um, when E-Rai struck, um, we sort of, everyone went into lockdown and there wasn't much happening up around, well, in New South Wales at all. And I think it was must have been a, a bit better down towards the border and um, racing New South Wales. We're going to open certain areas up to race at the time um, and got a call from Brett Kavanagh and he offered me a position down there um, and, look, there was nothing doing up here, so I was mad not to take it. At the time, my weight sort of ballooned out to, oh, about 68 or 9 kilos, so I was desperately getting heavy. Um, so I had to had to sort of do something really quick and I took the opportunity up and I got, got down there to Aubrey and, look, Brett was um, – he was a hard man, hard taskmaster, but he was very fair. I used to get a lot of rides out of the stable and 
Mm. Uh, we had a lot of luck. Yep. He said that uh, Albury was the perfect location at that stage of his career. He said he'd drive out the gate in the truck, turn right to Sydney or left to Melbourne. Yeah, that's right. It was in a perfect spot, John, even to get to Canberra and those sort of those sort of places. It was um, right there on the freeway. But uh, it would have been handy for Brett's business too because he had a big number of horses. There was horses coming in, out, in and out all the time. Mm. Um, he, he really done a good job to handle the numbers he did. Mm. You mentioned these uh, earlier, these horses, Shiraz, uh, trained by Peter Nestor. Uh, I think Tony McAvoy got him later and uh, Kim War eventually finished up with him. I think he won three or four on Shiraz. Yeah, look, he uh, he was a nice horse. He always had a couple of little issues, John, but uh, he always showed plenty here on the track. He, he could really gallop and he sort of got to the point where he was going through his classes quite well and um, Peter said he, he sort of – it wouldn't have been fair on the horse to keep him in the bush, so he sent him down to, I think, Tony McAvoy just opened up his Hawkesbury base at the time. And, That's right, yeah. Um, he went from there. I think he won a couple of nice races and went to Kim Wars and won an, another couple of nice races. So he was a, he was a really good horse, and he was owned locally by um, by a few people here in town, which is good to see. Um, mm. Even this day, you see their colours going around. You won eight races in all for your Uncle Peter, on a great old bush horse called Isababe. And I think you won the following cups, Coonabarabran, the Wellington and the Moree. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, John. He was a- actually owned by the same interests as um, Shiraz, raced in the same colours. Uh, look, when, when, he started, uh, when he started his campaign with Peter originally as a young horse, he was, he was a bit of a handful. Um, I think actually he broke Peter's ribs one day in the barriers and oh. – um, I galloped him one more, and I said, oh, he's a waste of time, this horse, Peter. He's, he's that bloody slow, you know. Mm. Um, I'd like to think that my judgment's a little bit better these days because <laughs> he come out, come out and won, I think, his first um, six out of seven races. And, mm. yeah, he was a really good bush horse. Um, I do truly believe if, he, if the horse had a, had a, uh, a better constitution and mm. he, he could travel, he would have he definitely won black-type races. Yeah, poor traveller, was he? Yeah, he was terribly – you know, you can get away with the horse not eating when you take him away, but he wouldn't drink and um, he'd really tuck up when you took him away. And mm. in the end, he was, you know, you'd take him to Sydney, he'd have to leave the day of the races and he'd get there. And, you know, he'd already run a race, won a, run a race before he went around, John. So, yeah, yeah. like I said, if he had, a, had a half a constitution about him, I think he would have been a nice, uh, like a, a nice black type horse. Mm. Well, obviously, you were very happy to sample the rarefied air of the winner's circle at Royal Randwick and other city tracks, but not as happy as you were the day you won the Birdsville Cup on a horse from Mount Isa called Iron Meteorite. The only time you rode the horse, one for one. Yeah, that's right, John. Um, Rodney Robb was venturing out west at the time. He used to go every year to Birdsville and I was sort of, I was going good here at home, but you know, you sort of hit a bit of a flat spot, and I, I wanted a bit of a holiday. And um, Rodney approached me one day about going up, up there to ride for him. And I said, "Yeah, no, that'd be great." Mm-hmm. Um, and I tell you a funny story. We, one of my mates, come with me, and I had races, so I had to fly up, and we were booked to fly from Dubbo to Sydney, Sydney to Brisbane, Brisbane out to Birdsville. And mm-hmm. um, we got to Brisbane, no dramas, John. Um, and then we missed the plane from Brisbane to bloody Birdsville and there's only one flight a week. So <laughs> we, we're in a bit of strife, 1,800 Ks or something we had to try and go. So oh dear. we got our gear and we chucked it on a on a bus and <laughs> we got all the way out to 
bloody Charleville or somewhere like this. And I thought, oh, this is just the worst trip I've ever been on. Mm. And uh, we got picked up by the postman who took us to uh, uh, Windora. We got off at Windora and got in with a couple of bookmakers, Terry Bacone, and uh, went from there out to the races. I tell you what, John, it was a, it was a bloody long couple of days. <laughs> yeah, and you won the cup. Yeah, we won the cup. It was a great, great thrill. Uh, it was actually owned by uh, Mount Isa locals who are bookmakers, the Saunders people, yeah. uh, Saunders, and they they um, they go to Birdsville every year and, you know, they're mm. great supporters of the industry up that way and mm. uh, for Jay Morris it was a great thrill. Mm. Now, what tracks have you ridden on in the outback? You, Birdsville, obviously, Batuta was another one. Yeah, Batuta. I've done I've done most of the bush tracks uh, around New South Wales, John, as far as west of Dubbo. Uh, you got Corinda, Colorado, Bribery, Warrena, Walgut. Mm. Um, go out to Cobar, Louth. Uh, there's Trangy. I've done most of them, John. Um, Broken Hills, one track I haven't been to. Yeah. Um, I was going to. They used to fly the jocks out from Dubbo at one stage, but I didn't didn't go much on flying on those little airplanes, John. So no, I used no. to skip that trip. <laughs> yeah. Now, Cody. I read somewhere, and I don't know how anybody could possibly arrive at this statistic, but it has been reported that you rode at a total of 59 racecourses uh, during your short career. Uh, would that be right? Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me, John. I've sort of, yeah, I've been around. Um, uh, well, when I was down at Brett's, I'd done all the southern area, um, and then... I used to go out to Grafton Carnival and those sort of places and then I'd always do the outback meetings when I was a younger fella as an apprentice going through and then mm. up into Queensland. So look, it wouldn't surprise me, John, if that was if that, if that was right. Well, your happy hunting ground, very fittingly, is your home track. You rode 71 winners on the Dubbo course. Yeah, it was a good track to me, Dubbo. Dubbo, Dubbo is actually a really good shaped track, John. Um, I've seen horses win from outside barriers here and um, of course, being the home track, you're always on it. You sort of learn to know how the bias plays when it's wet and uh, when it's dry. So it's a big advantage um, to be living here at, at your home course and, you know, they race fairly often. And also the local support from the train has helped. Mm. You're well set up at Dubbo. You've got 18 boxes right on the course. You've got another 25 across the road on a three-acre block. What other facilities have you got there? Yeah, John, we're pretty lucky here at Dubbo. We've got most of the uh, main facilities that everyone in Sydney uses. We've got a treadmill uh, that we put in about six months ago. It's a, it's a terrific um, asset to have. We've got the use of a water walker. We've got walkers and um, we get all that, John, and we're sort of in a laid-back, relaxed area. Um, we've got a bit of room out the back where we can take for a trot around the paddock or um, something to just change them up a little bit, mate. So, yeah, look, we're very lucky. I'm very happy with the way things are set up. Your stable apprentice is young Liam Blanche, who's doing a great job. And I hear you've got another promising boy coming through at the moment, getting his ticket by the name of Dylan Stanley. Is he from the prolific Stanley racing family? Yeah, Dill's from the Stanley family. Um, they've all been involved in the game their whole lives, the Stanleys. And uh, look, he's, uh, he's a terrific kid. He's quite tall, um, so he might just have a be a little bit limited um, going forward, but look, I set him up with Rodney Robb to Darwin for a few months. Um, I, I still believe that the kids really benefit for going up and riding on those those tracks where it's a little bit rougher. There's a little bit less pressure on them, um, sort of not as many eyes. Um, this day and age with social media and that, and there's a lot of scrutiny around, and they can sort of 
You know, mm. they, they're like anyone else. They've got to make mistakes to learn from them. So, but he's a good kid. Um, young Liam, he's going really good. He's um, really starting to knuckle down. And um, he's another boy that's he's going to get tall later on, but um, he's making the most of his opportunity at the moment. And um, I had another kid turn up a couple of months ago from Chris Wallace's stable called Dylan Collis, and he's just about to yeah. get his he's just about to get his ticket too, John. So there's a bit going on in the stables of a morning. They get in there and they're it's like walking into a bloody hen house, they squarking and blowing <laughs> um, with each other every morning. But uh, yeah. uh, it's a good competition for them. <laughs> My word! Now you tell me, Peter Stanley is Dylan Stanley's grandfather. Peter, of course, was apprenticed to the legendary Theo Green. Wrote a lot of winners himself. Yeah, Pete, he's been around for a long time and that's right, he's, he's Dylan's grandfather and he's just down the road at Wellington training a few, uh, quite often see Pete um, and the rest of the Stanley clan getting around. And there's, uh, they've been involved in the game for a long time so it's, there's no surprise to see um, young Dylan wanting to come out and being a jockey. Now, somehow you found the time to become a dad. You and Anna are the proud parents of a darling five-year-old daughter called Olivia. Is she keen on the horses? Yeah, John. Yeah, she's a little beauty. She is um, Olivia Rose, Rosie, I call her. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Look, she's um, where she lives is right next to um, a riding school, so she quite often heads over there and jumps on a pony. She's got a pony of her own. Um, yeah. She she seems to have a fair interest. She quite quite often pokes down the stables and gives them a carrot, gives the horses a carrot, and has a pat. And she's got a, her favourites down there. And um, yeah, very lucky. She's a really good kid, John. Well, you're just 31 years old. You've got a wealth of experience under your belt. You've got the ball at your feet, young fella. It's onwards and upwards from here on, doing what you love best. Yeah, look, we're we're in a good position at the moment, John. Um, we've we've sort of built it, built the business up to where I wanted to be, and um, yeah, we're we're not afraid to work hard, and um, hopefully the results keep rolling in. Cody, it's lovely of you to give me this much time on a Sunday morning. Great to have you on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound.